The following is a teaching message from the chapel in Tiatatu. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz. On the 14th of August, which was 17 weeks ago, we began our journey through the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. Then on the 30th of October, which was uh, six weeks ago, we began Noah's story. And the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race that I have created and with them the animals, the birds and the creatures that move along the ground for I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. The world had become a very dark place and one could say that Noah was the only bright spot. Noah was like a light in the midst of that darkness. From then when God made the declaration how troubled his heart had become, up until now it's been 121 years in the story. And last Sunday, Michael talked about how Noah now was leading his family and all of the animals out of the ark into a regenerating world. And in chapter 8, verse 17, we read, Bring out every kind of creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground, so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number on it. In verse 21, and God acknowledged though that the human heart hadn't changed because he said even though the inclination, every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. It's a pretty depressing statement really. It's a bit like Stephen's sharing this morning. It's kind of let me get the bad news over and done with. However, God also reveals that this part of the story that we've been reading through, the whole Noah's flood, I don't know why he gets blamed for the flood. It was God's flood. Noah just happened to be the one who was saved through it. But God reveals that this part of the story will never again be repeated. Never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. And so we bring this part of the story to a close and we pick up the story this morning in Genesis chapter 9. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall on all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the sky, on every creature that moves along the ground and on all the fish in the sea. They are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves about will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. 
but you must not eat meat that has the lifeblood in it. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal and from each human being too. I will demand an accounting for the life of another human being. Whoever sheds human blood by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. As for you, be fruitful and increase in number, multiply on the earth and increase upon it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds and the livestock and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And then God said, this is a sign of the covenant that I am making between me and you and every living creature with you. A covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be a sign for the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth, and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between you, between me and you, and all the living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all of life on earth. As Noah had commanded the, uh, so as God had commanded Noah to bring the animals out of the ark, it was so that they could multiply and fill the earth. However, in this passage we find in verse 1, God said to bless Noah and his son, saying to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. And again in verse 7, for you be fruitful and increase in number, multiply on the earth and increase in it. It's got that echo back to Genesis chapter 1. This is why I like the fact we're following through the story because we see the connection back in Genesis 1. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. You know, this is not just a command, it is also a blessing. The command and the blessing will continue to echo throughout the biblical story. Fruitfulness and increase. The blessing and the command. So if we fast forward to the eve of the crucifixion, as Jesus is in the upper room, and he says to his disciples, I am the vine, you are the branches, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Then if we shoot forward another six weeks, and Matthew records it this way, he says, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you always. Luke records it this way, he says, And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit 
comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's, it's both a blessing and a command. There is this command to go, or as you go, make disciples. But there is this blessing. You will go. You will be filled with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power. You will be my witnesses. There is a, a command, but also a blessing. But for now, we go back to Genesis and chapter 9. Things are changing. Some things are changing. And some things are remaining the same. What else hasn't changed? And what else has? In verse 2, we're told that the fear and dread of you will fall on all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky, on every creature that moves on the ground and all of the fish in the sea. They are given into your hands. It's interesting, back in Genesis 1.28, we were told that we were to rule over the creation. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, God brings all of the animals to Adam so that he can name them. And now for the past year, Noah and his family have been with all of the animals on the ark together. But now something changes. There is this dread. They've been... Uh, uh, closely connected in relationship with the whole of creation, but now there is this separation that comes into play. Now, apologies for my sense of humour, but my mind goes back to the movie Finding Nemo. And in Finding Nemo, the sharks are having an AA meeting. And the line comes out, remember that fish are friends, not food. And I'm going, well, here God says, sorry, but they're now food, not friends. Well, it's maybe not quite that blunt and not quite that absolute. But there is this change in their relationship between humanity and the creation that they are to rule over. And now the animal kingdom will have a dread of man. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. As I say, these guidelines will, and we remember from our story in Acts, these guidelines will change for various times and various reasons. But this foundational relationship with creation has changed, as has the diet. Another thing that changes in Genesis 3 is, back in Genesis 3, God killed an animal to make garments of skin for Adam and Eve. And as he killed that animal, its blood would have been poured out on the ground and they would have seen suffering and death for the first time. But the word blood doesn't actually get mentioned until the next chapter, Genesis 4, where Cain kills his brother Abel. And now here in Genesis 9, verses 4 to 6, the importance and the sacredness of blood especially human blood, is made very, very clear. It says, but you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. So you will now eat meat, but it will not have its lifeblood. And for your lifeblood I will demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal and from each human being too. I will demand an accounting for the life of another human being. Whoever sheds human blood by humans shall their blood be shed, for in the image of God 
hath God made mankind. You know, back in Genesis 4, when Cain killed Abel, we remember that God promised protection for Cain, should anyone come to avenge Abel's death. But things have changed. Now God says there will be an accounting. I will call every animal and every human that sheds human blood to account. And in time, those, that accounting, the consequences will be severe and often delivered quickly. And so some things are changing post-flood. Something else that seems to have changed with the weather. We're given to understand that before the flood it had never rained. Back in Genesis chapter 2, we are told that no shrub had ever appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up for the God had not yet sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground but streams came up from the earth and watered this whole surface of the ground. So it seems that there was not rain. There's no mention of rain other than that word. The first time rain is actually mentioned as falling is in Noah's flood. When it rained and it rained and it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. So imagine being Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives, never having seen rain until the first time it rains, it doesn't stop days and 40 nights until the whole earth is covered. And you're kind of relieved because after a whole year you're now back on dry ground. And a couple of weeks later you see these clouds rolling in and it begins to rain again. Would that not create a bit of a sense of panic? But God says you don't need to panic. I'm not going to destroy the earth again. See that beautiful thing up there in the sky? That's a rainbow. I'm putting it there to remind you that I haven't forgotten my promise never to destroy the earth again. Not by flood. God says this rainbow is a sign of an eternal covenant. Some theologians identify at least 12 biblical covenants. Others focus more clearly in on five and we'll come back to those next week. And some of them therefore start with a covenant with Adam and Eve. However, the first time that the word covenant is used in the biblical narrative is in this story. There is something powerful about what God is promising in this time. When we look up the dictionary meaning of the word covenant, we get things like an agreement or a contract. But there is something very shallow about the words agreement and contract compared to the biblical word covenant. God's covenants are, like any of his promises, absolutely reliable. Some are conditional, but none will ever be broken. In Numbers 23, we're told that God is not a human, that he should lie, not like a human being that he should change his mind? Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? So when you see that beautiful rainbow in the sky, know 
that I have not forgotten my promise to you. This was a promise from God to the whole of creation. And every time we see that rainbow in the sky, we need to remember that God is a God who is faithful to all his promises. This is a huge deal. You know, we now know that the rainbow is a product of rain and sunshine. And we are reminded that the rain speaks of a judgment that comes. And the sunshine is the promise that God will not abandon us. And so the two things come together. And as Stephen reminded us at the beginning, there is this bad news and there is this good news. And we cannot ignore the fact that there is a judgment. God will not destroy the whole world again as he did through a flood, but there is a judgment to come. But there is also grace. Rain brought judgment on the wickedness of humanity, and God's grace says that the sun still shines. And so we have these three reoccurring themes that I want to leave you with this morning as we're going through the scriptures. The first is that God's command is for us to go and multiply and fill and rule. Not just to go and fill, go and fill and rule. Right back from Genesis 1, right through the scriptures, now coming out of the ark and right through into the New Testament. We are called to go and to fill and to rule. The second truth that hasn't changed is God's heartbreak over man's sinfulness. Whether it's Genesis 3, the sin of Adam and Eve in the garden, whether it's the wickedness on the earth, pre-flood, whether it's all of the things that are to follow, whether it's the wickedness in our world today and the suffering and man's inhumanity to man today, God's heartbreak doesn't change. And the third thing that doesn't change is that there is a light in the darkness. Right back to Genesis where there was this emptiness over the world, this void over the earth, and God said, let there be light. And in the midst of the wickedness before the flood, God declares how heartbroken he is over the sin of the world, and yet he says, but Noah. And so I'm going to finish off this morning with a passage that I'm going to start with next Sunday. And it's already been referenced previously in the service this morning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. This is a good news story. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from the chapel in Teatatu. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz 
or email info at thechapel.org.nz.